when I come face to face or I come closer to a holy God, the first natural reaction, every time you read it in the Bible, the angels that encountered uh, those shepherds that were out there, the first thought is, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. Right. Right, And when we come closer to a holy God, the more we realize how utterly unholy we are. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow your critical thinking skills and your faith. We are not able to do the work for you, but we can be guides. We can be here to challenge you along the way to um, grow along the way, and we are just so excited to be starting a brand new year here on the Salty Pastor with you. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host, and we are welcoming back to the desk, Pastor Harvey Friesen. Hey, welcome, good to be welcome. with you two times in one week. So I know one week, so. we're blessed. What Thank did? You. How much was your writer that we had to pay you to be here and uh, do two back to back? I think it was like two bags of gummy bears or something like that. Oh, and man, you've been negotiating up since the last yeah, time. Yeah, well, we last talked. time it was one, I think. Right, so. Exactly. Well, on Tuesday, we went back and kind of talked about your Sunday uh, message of the last week. But then um, today, we normally kind of do like uh, real world application. But I think you're going to kind of do a little bit of that and a little bit of previewing of yeah. our Sunday sermon, right? The- uh, yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I one of the things I think is everything we do as a follower of Christ should have a real-world application to mm-hmm. it. We, I reject just out of hand the notion that there's the sacred and secular. I think it's all sacred. I think that anybody who delivers milk for a, uh, as a living and that's their job, that's a sacred work. They're part of food and vitality and help and, and uh, vigor in people's lives. Everything we do is unto the Lord. The Scripture says, do all that you do unto the Lord, so mm-hmm. including our work. So in that, I think that the application of it should be practical in such a way that everybody can apply it on, maybe we learn it on Sundays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays, but we should be able to apply it on any day that ends with a Y. Absolutely. Well, um, as we're kind of getting ready to go into that, I didn't ask you on Tuesday, do you have any kind of things you're going to be getting into this new year? Like, you know, people are doing resolutions or routines. Like, is there any new projects you're really excited about starting at home? Yeah, well, so I I actually, uh, yes. And one of those is, so you see these couple of plants that are here. For those that are watching. uh, For those that are watching. There's a couple of plants that are on the table here, and I'll plan to have them up on the stage on Sunday as well. But uh, I don't when I first came here, the staff gave me uh, these plants, and I just remember my goal was not to kill them, right? And yes. to forget to water them, to do all those things, and maybe get a little sunshine on them, etc. So on Sunday, one of the things I'm going to talk about is uh, gardening and the notion of what a garden looks like and how to do gardening. And so that's going to be part of it. And I don't know if that's a resolution or a routine. Obviously, we talked about the other day, habits are required. Mm. Uh, and part of you know growing a garden requires habits. And so you've got to tend and weed and do all the things that That's it why they gave me a fake plant. Yeah, is that what Because they, I'm a bachelor, so they they're knew. like, you're not responsible enough to have anything that's living currently. <laughs> well, it was a small responsibility up for me to be able to actually have, I mean, the success I feel to have these still alive. And in fact, this one is growing, the larger one. For those of you who can't see, there's a larger one, and it's uh, growing uh, dramatically, actually, from what it was. It was actually just inside the confines of that pot, and now it's growing quite a bit. It's getting going. Yeah. 
So what all are you doing with this this planting? Are you are you well, so are I, you starting a whole garden? I mean, winter's a little bit of a rough time to be starting a garden. But. Oh right, and you know, part of moving to Idaho is that we've learned from uh, different people here that you know, f- sourcing their own food and growing some of their own vegetables and all those kinds of things. I mean, we had the benefit of some friends in the church who just opened up their garden to us this year because they had a lot extra and they mm. let us uh, enjoy some of their harvest as well. So that was. Uh, a really a, a great little thing. Now, part of it is is trying to figure that out in a ministry schedule and how I have and do time and all like that. So I don't know that we're going to f- build a full-on garden, but at least move up in the notion of growing a few more things this year. How's that for a hedged bet? I, I think that's a great hedged bet. <laughs> okay. So what are we learning about today? Well, so we're going to talk about uh, uh, James chapter 4 this Sunday. We're going to look into that and James, what I like about James, James is such a practical Bible uh, chap, uh, Bible book, and it's one, it's short, it's compact, it's five chapters. It talks about different themes, uh, very specifically in it. And so, in James chapter four, there's a beautiful verse in there. And in fact, I'll read it for everybody. It says in James chapter four, verse eight: "Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you." One of the things that we have to do when we start to read the Bible is, is not, that we have to actually read it as, as, as if, and, and because it is, speaking directly to us. A lot of times we read the Bible in third person. It's kind of like reading a book or a novel or whatever. We read it and we go, oh, okay, well, this person did this, and then that happened, and that happened. What we're doing when we read the Bible is that we're actually reading His story, God's story, given to us, and in there, God gives promises, and those promises are direct ones. In James chapter 4, verse 8, is a direct promise that says, if you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Uh, and a lot of times people feel uh, it's it's daunting, it's a challenge, it's it's how do I draw near to a God? How, how do I build a relationship with an unseen God? Uh, this last week I read out of Romans chapter 1 and everything that's been created, I mean, Bogus has been so beautiful all week long with that huge... A uh, new dump of snow that we got this last week. That's bogus on the basin, the ski mountain near bogus us. Maiden, ski, uh, bogus basin, the ski mountain near us, right here, exactly. And so there's a snow all over and everything like that. And you look at it with marvel. I, I wonder at God's creation all the time. So when I see a promise here of God, I trust that the God who made those mountains and who has done all those beautiful things and created the birds of the air and etc. is that when He makes promises, He's able to keep them. Mm. But we have a hard time sort of learning to do that. And part of that is because we want God to adapt to us rather than us to adapt to him, which is why Christmas is so important in the in the in the Christian worldview and in the Christian calendar and more importantly I think in the Christian foundation and that is God actually did come to us. Mm. Emmanuel. So we celebrated Emmanuel. God came to us and so, so God actually did reach into our world, and I think that makes it so much easier to do. And by the way, not a shameless plug here. I mean this genuinely. One of the ways that we learn to grow, go back to my illustration about the people that we talk with about gardening this year, mm. um, is we get around other people who know how to garden. We get around p- other people who know how to grow plants. We get around people who know how to walk in their life of faith. We get around people who have walked in prayer and who have studied the Word and who can sit with us and say, oh, wow, that's a good question. Let's go to this verse or that chapter. Uh, that's how it works in kind of everything else we do. 
Um, why wouldn't that be the same truth in the way that we do our life of faith? Which mm-hmm. is why we're not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. And as a church of small groups, what we do is we rub shoulder to shoulder with other people where we are growing in our faith together, and we do that around the Word of God. Awesome. I, I think it's interesting that that parallel you just brought up of we so often in our lives will take these principles that we think, oh, that only applies to everything outside of the church, right? Like we're really good at going, you know, and maybe it's because we're Americans and we've been told, you know, the Constitution's like separate of church and state. So we're like, oh, well, only church things happen in church. And then everything I do outside of church is a different thing. Like I shouldn't take those practical ideas of developing habits or doing small groups or looking for mentorship in work or play or whatever. I don't bring those into church because church is its own like sacred space where the rules don't apply. Like life doesn't exist in the same way in a church environment, right? Well, exactly. We kind of almost use that phrase, the real world, and then we talk about church. Uh, It's kind of the reason why I like the plants. Think about all the things that have to take place in preparing a plant to grow. You've got to prepare the soil. You've got to think about the soil temperature. You've got to think about when you pour water onto that soil or that seed to begin with and you begin to do it. One of the things I was reading this last week is is that when you do that, pour room temperature water on it. Don't pour cold water out of your fridge or wherever like that. Is that you actually have to prepare the soil. You want to put the seed in the ground. You want to uh, put the right temperature of water. You want to have the right sunlight, certain plants require this amount of sunlight. This mm. plant requires less. This one requires more. Well, that's exactly those principles are how we grow the faith together. You had a different experience growing up than I had growing up. Right. In that process, yet the same God who made you and made me says, Harvey and Jesse, let's grow in who you are in me. Well, we do that in the same kinds of principles that plants grow in. And that's why I think the Bible is so beautiful, because Jesus taught in so many agricultural themes, vineyards, and a person had a field, and you know all these kinds of themes that talk about how we actually grow. And those principles of growth work whether, let, let's say we're a college student who just graduated last year, they're in their first job, they learned all these things at school, they get into the real world, and they go, ah, great, I know all these algorithms, I know all of this. Well, where do I start with my job? Well, you usually have people that mentor you and help you, and mm. someone's assigned to guide you and direct you. Same thing goes on in the life of faith. Same thing goes on in relationships. Same thing goes on in parenting. Same things go on when we meet with our doctor and we sit down with them and they give us a plan for health. Well, they might assign us to a dietitian and then they might assign us uh, to a physical therapist, and then they might assign because what they're doing is they're looking at our whole lives and they're saying, you're going to need some help to grow back to health. This, those are spiritual laws, natural laws about how everything's work, how everything works. Well, and I think it's sometimes we lose some of these parables that Jesus shares because growing things is not really our culture anymore. We've, like, we've, we've I've moved got, away from our Yeah, culture. I've got several farmer friends. I used to uh, work on a ranch, so it's like I have a base understanding, but still, like, I read these things, and I'm like, I don't get you know, Pastor Doug has to explain what threshing was to me and stuff. Yeah. Like, And so it's like, I think some of these 
these metaphors and these parables that he shared, we lose sometimes because we just don't have the context. It's the same thing with not understanding the culture at the time of they were born and raised in this mindset. And so when they're talking about, you know, not adhering to the law, our brain goes, oh, the law is like the, what the police enforce. And it's like, no, they're talking about the law from God back then. And you have to like, you have to, it's, it's almost like when you're in a, when you're reading a storybook, you have to understand the world building elements of why that happened before you can understand why they're talking about it. And sometimes we're like, we don't understand what was happening back then. And so we read these things and we're like, I don't understand why he's always talking about vines and wheat and like, what, why does this apply to me? But it was such a core part of their, it'd be like, if he was here today, we, he'd probably be using, you know, apps or semiconductors. Te- yeah. Or technology yeah. is probably the thing we would probably yeah, right. most relate it to. Back then, the technology was agriculture. That was the thing everyone was always talking about, was doing and ingrained in, right? Yeah, well, to use your word even ingrained, how funny is that? I mean, that's an agricultural term. I remember someone reading to me out of a Vietnamese translation of the Bible one time, and in that, in John chapter 6, I believe it is, is that Jesus there, the translation of the word wasn't that he was the bread of life, is that he was the rice of life. Mm. Because why? Because rice was the substance of that starch that was in their their culture, because what someone did was that they translated into what they understood. Right. Well, Part of what a church does is helps people grow in that life of faith because it's not a natural thing. And, oh, by the way, mentoring is a normal modality to grow and learn in something. So when it says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you, there's also a verse that follows on with that, and it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, wait a minute, all of a sudden I'm supposed to grow in God, but it sounds like I'm supposed to be miserable because the next verse says, be miserable and mourn and weep. Well, in that, we have to understand what the context of what's being said here, and that is when I come face to face or I come closer to a holy God, the first natural reaction, every time you read it in the Bible, the angels that encountered uh, those shepherds that were out there, the first thought is, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. Right. Right, And when we come closer to a holy God, the more we realize how utterly unholy we are. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to bring forward a principle, which, by the way, comes from up above, which says, God gives a greater grace. He is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this is an important thing we'll talk about this weekend. Our world... And I'm going to use American culture. I'm not beating up on America because I absolutely love it. And I, I'm so joyful and glad that I live in this country. Uh, but our, and one of the tenets of American idea, uh, the idea of America is pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You figure it out on your own. And in that, we sort of use phrases like self-made person, mm. self-made man, self-made woman. And, and that's actually not real. We, no one is self-made. No one was birthed and just figured out from birth until 15 or 12 or viability or wherever, someone always helped them, right? right. Some, so there's no self-made to our idea. That's kind of not real. But what it's talking about is, is, hey, have the grit to go forward. Now, in that, sometimes what we have to understand is that grit can produce something that is death to the spiritual life, and that is pride. Mm. Pride is the, 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 the stain of, I can do this on my own and I don't need God. And that's actually, when you really begin to think about it, that opposite of faith is the notion of, I can do this on my own. I don't have to have faith in anybody but what? Myself. Mm. Well, that's actually not true. 
Um, all you got to do is drive down the street. I mean, you pull out onto State Street from our from Omer or whatever, and a person turns their blinker on, and they're coming down a road where people can be doing 50, 55, 60 miles an hour, and you have to now make this decision. Do I have the faith that they're going to turn? Right. Right? I almost never trust anybody's blinker. I never blinkers. trust anybody. Are you kidding me? I, yeah, because you get a pickup truck with a guy driving down the road, and he's had his blinker on for five miles. Right. He isn't turning into Omer. You're going you're gonna to end up on his grill, right? Yeah. We are kind of almost trained to not have faith. And what a church, and that's why it feels hard sometimes, you all, to be able to figure out how to grow your faith. Because anybody who's ever done anything that had enough chutzpah, enough in them to say, I'm going to go do this, and I'm put a lot of faith in myself. There, you don't have to check that faith at myself, um, in myself at the beginning of our faith in God. What we have to do is we have to believe that that then leads us to that one place where we can't control everything in our lives, and we go, that's where God resides in my life. God is the leader and the Lord and the director. He's the giver. Go back to the plants for a second. He's the one who gives the sunshine. He's the one who gives the moisture. He's the one who gives... Think about this for just a second. If I said to to you all preaching on Sunday, or I said to you, Jesse, today, or someone here listening to the podcast, okay, now here's what's going to happen, okay? We're going to take this little seed, we're going to take this thing called moisture slash H2O water, and then we're going to take something called dirt, you know, and there's different kinds of dirt, and there's different chemistry in different dirt, and all this, and we're going to put, we're going to put them all together, and then we're going to close our eyes, and then in 5, 10, 15, 20 days, there's going to be this little green thing come out of the ground. I mean, unless you had really known how plants work, I mean, to explain that to someone who has no concept of all that, who's lived in a concrete jungle their whole lives, they look at you and they go, now you're saying if I do these things, that'll work. And it actually does work. Right. That's... There's, we've lost... We are so technologically driven, we've lost the wonder of the amazement of something actually grows and then when it grows it produces a fruit and when it pr- that fruit is in our hands and we taste it in our mouths it tastes lovely and wonderful for us and we can explain it we can put all the chemistry together with it right but we lost the marveling at it in our life of faith i think we bring all of our unction all of our capacity all of our ability and then what we do is we go wow the mystery is you god that you made me, you know, I talked about it a little bit in in my sermon last week, is laminin is a protein. You can look it up. It's L-A-M-I-N-I-N. It's called laminin. Just do yourself a favor. In fact, if you're watching this podcast or listening to it, just Google laminin. And then go in there and look at it. And then when you Google laminin, hit hit, hit images. And I want you to see what scientists, not Christians, not anybody of faith, but what scientists, I mean, it could be scientists who have faith, but look at how they actually show how lamin is constructed, and you're going to be amazed. I, I love to tell you right now, but I actually want you to do a little bit of work, and that is I want you to go and Google. Your salty pastor homework. Yeah, a little salty pastor homework. Look up laminin, and you're going to see the protein molecule that holds everything in our body together. And it's that place, think about this, is that we get up, we rise up, we work hard, we go work out, we eat right, we try to do you know all the things that make for a healthy life. But if you don't have that one little element, the God element called laminin in your body, you're not held together. Mm. That's the point of faith. See, a lot of people think that faith is like this, is that I did all these great things in my life. I built this. I worked on this. I've had a job. I got a degree. I was in the military. I did all these sorts of things. And now what I have to do is I have to close my eyes and take this blind leap. 
That is not how faith works. Faith is, I believe, out of the faith chapter of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, you come to a guy like Abraham. Abraham was called to sacrifice his son Isaac. That didn't happen. Think Now, we have to understand something real quick. The pagan world around him was used to child sacrifice. That's why Abraham, it wasn't an anomaly for him to think, well, if God's calling me to sacrifice this, this child, okay. That's, that was in the normal culture in their world. It was uh, abnormal that when he went forward to do it, he had the faith in God that God would provide, a, provide. And that's where we get Jehovah Jireh, God who is my provider. God provided a sacrificial lamb to be able to take over that role of his son. But what he was doing was, is he had faith. But there's a, there's a verse in, in Hebrews 11. It says this, and this is, was one of the pivot verses of me coming to faith. Again, faith is not a blind leap. Faith is he did all the things he was required to do. And then it says, and Abraham reckoned in his heart that God could, could, raise, Abraham, uh, could raise Isaac from the dead. That is a calculated decision of faith that mm. says, if God is leading me to do something and it seems out beyond what I know in my normal world, God has the ability to handle whatever the outcome is. That is a point to me, a beginning of faith, and that is not blind. Faith is not blind. It is a move towards a God who has revealed himself through Christ and who has shown himself through the snow on Bogus Basin, the mountain up there. We can see all that. That's a beginning of faith. And I think that's important because I think a lot of us who, especially people that, like there were people that gave their lives to Christ this last Sunday, it's sort of like, uh, how do I do that exactly? Well, I want to help you do that. And this Sunday we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So I think that as you've been talking about this and the idea of faith not being blind, I think that's, faith is, well, I, I talk with the youth um, kids a lot mm-hmm. about this, where it's like, we have like Christianese terms that yep. get just thrown around a lot and yep. interchanged more often than not as well. And so it's really hard and it's sort of like, oh, this faith thing is just sort of this, you're just supposed to have it, right? Like, right. that's the expectation is very few people will go through and kind of talk about it like you and Pastor Doug do, where it's like, this is what faith is. They're just like, you should have faith and you should do these things. And it's like, right. well, but, but what is it? What is righteousness? Like, what does that word even mean? I know I'm supposed to be it. I know I'm supposed right. to sub- pursue it. But we lose those because sometimes we get so caught up in in these things and there's so many new people that are coming into our congregation or coming yeah. into the faith or, and they're like I don't I feel like I'm in a advanced level chemistry class coming into this because there's all these terms that I don't understand which is why I think it's responsibility of Pastor Doug and myself and Pastor Steve and Zach when he preaches and others who preach and teach and then also within our small groups is that we need to give practical illustrations of how we live out our faith and that how we do that. Mm. And, and that it's very, very important that we understand practical ways of how we grow in our life of faith. And one of the ways that happens is, is people are allowed to ask questions. One of the, one of the most important things, I think, in the life of a church is that our pastors, our elders, our shepherds, our small group leaders, our, our ministry leaders, our lay leaders should be approachable with questions. And one of the things that you should be able to know, and you should know, and I want to put it forward as a value of our church, questions are welcome. Mm. You don't have to come with all your answers. And oh, by the way, when there are those baby steps of the granularity of having faith or, or having no faith and then having faith, there's a granularity to that process. In fact, some of the verses, I, I actually want to put these on record, if you will, 
of how we do that. Listen, listen to Romans chapter 10. It says, if you confess, this is Romans 10, 9 through 11. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So two parts of salvation are out of right here. One, we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. So if we believe that, we had to have been explained, someone had to explain to us why the resurrection is a reality. Well, we teach on that. Pastor Doug's written books on that, and there's sermons about all that, and why the resurrection is a reality. Then the second one is, once we believe that, I said this last week, uh, is that beliefs don't save us. Faith saves us. You are saved by faith through grace. Okay, so what is that faith? The faith is, I believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I will declare that now with my mouth. Mm. Why is it so important to confess? It says here, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. Let's reverse engineer that for a second. If Jesus Christ was crucified, and if Jesus Christ was buried in a grave, and if Jesus Christ rose on the third day, and if Jesus Christ is alive and has gone to be with the, at the right hand of the Father, if those things are true, then he is Lord. That means he is the God of the universe, because he does something Jesse can't do, Harvey can't do, no other human and I know can do future time, the Antichrist will do it, which will deceive many people, and that is raise from the dead. Mm. So if you can, I mean, think about that. Every fear that anyone has can be drilled down to the ultimate fear, and that is when I when I will die, and it is not in my control uh, that whether I will die or I won't die. Jesus came in, and because he did all those things and he satisfied all those ifs, he is Lord. So, the, so Romans 10, 9, let's read it again. I gave you a little bit of granularity. Let's think this out. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now here's some illustration, or sorry, here's some extrapolation of that. Verse 10. For with a heart a person believes, your word now, believes, resulting in righteousness. So think about this for a second. Is God, is a fancy word, God imputes into our heart when we believe in Jesus Christ resurrected, God pours over us righteousness. He says, you are in right alignment with me now. The thing about this we're saying, receiving Christ is coming to this point. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He is Lord, and he is such to the glory of God the Father. In other words, God alone gets the glory for what happened. No human raised him from the dead. When that happens then, that results in righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, there's lots of definitions of it, but the beginning definition is this. I am in right alignment with God through Christ. Mm. Okay? And then it goes on. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So think this out. It says, when you believe it in your heart, when you believe it in your heart, you are there. And then when your mouth says it, that is the act of faith. So a person says, well, how do I come to Christ? We, you take the, the, uh, the truths about Christ, you discern, decide whether you believe them or not. And if you do believe them, then you act in faith by declaring Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You ask him to come be the Lord of your life. And then you're what? You're in alignment with God, right with him, righteousness, the state of being right with God, and you're saved. 
Well, then he says, okay, well, great. The scripture says, uh, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. Notice this. this is a powerful thing. God's word is transcendent, and it's also transchronological. The first thing that comes in from here, Jesse, is this, is that once you're in Jesus Christ, all the things the world uses to define you or align you no longer have merit or value. What's the first thing that he, that he speaks about? There's no distinction between Jew or Greek. The first thing he talks about is the world divides up on race. There is no race. Right. There is no race because you're in Jesus Christ, and it's not skin color. Everyone has merit in the eyes of God. Everyone has value in the eyes of God. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Jesus. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what it means to give my life to God. Now, that's just like being born as a newborn baby. We don't just turn that baby. We don't just have that baby be born and say, wow, that's wonderful and that's great. And here's a couple TV dinners and we'll see you in 15 (laughs) years. You now do what? You just like these plants, you nurture the growth from seed to fruit. Mm. And that's what this church does. We help you nurture the growth from seed to fruit. And importantly, we help nurture you from unbelief to belief learning we're not telling you what to think we're telling you we're compelling you to think because this is important and that little place where you can't control that little place where you can't say well now i know exactly how or why or uh, that plant grows now that mystery of the fact that a seed water and soil and sunshine make this thing called fruit is wow Mm -hmm. that control i give to god and that is i'm making him the lord of my life when i say to him you're in control so I've just really enjoyed being able to sit here and talk with you about these things because I think this is an analogy that so few people get to hear really often. Again, we go back to this idea of the, the agricultural things that Jesus was basically constantly hitting on, but those don't hit us as well as, I mean, something like this where you've broken it down and been like, hey, this your walk, which is basically what Jesus was saying the whole time, but your walk's just like this plant. You have to care for it. You have to grow it. And some of it's just a mystery anyways. It's just this magic, right? Not magic, but it's a mystery. And so it's like having you break that down, I think is so important because again, there's so many people that are just starting their walk and they're like, I feel like I'm behind the eight ball on this. And this is a great way to start talking to people about what am I, what are my next steps? I mean, Dana does a great job of trying to get people who are, who are newly baptized or new to our church going, okay, let's get you plugged in and get you on your next steps. But for those people that are like, I'm so brand new, I don't even know what I'm you know, doing, yeah. this is a great thing to go, okay, there are next steps. It's not just a one done and, okay, I've, I said the thing, I'm done, I'm just going to go live my life and I yeah. should be... You know, I should be fine for the rest of my life. Well, let me break down a little bit of Christian jargon that's and kind of finish with this. And that is, is that believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right. And then behold salvation. And that's the first act of faith. Then the second act of faith, it's 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 literally a component of faith is to then be baptized. Mm. And why is being baptized an act of faith? Because being baptized is a literal submission of humility before God that says, I will go under the water i will the old will die a new will be reborn right there there we're being born again and so the notion of when we receive christ as lord we confess him and then what we are is that we are baptized so being baptized acts 238 says 
they said to him, well, what do we do? And he said, repent, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, now we have this next thing, and that is the Holy Spirit of God is leading us and growing us in life. What we're talking about is a natural order, and it follows along with biblical idea, straight out of biblical idea. Mm. Well, if any of you are thinking about baptism or have questions about baptism, we have so many really amazing resources. If you want to just do it on your own time, we you can text FH Baptism to 72000. Um, and we have a whole video series that just Pastor Doug um, talks about what baptism is, why it's important, and how you go about it. We also, at the end of every month, have a baptism um, inquiry meeting. They call yeah. it the Bob uh, Baptism of Believers meeting. Um, here at the church, if you're on campus, where you can sit around and just talk to Pastor Doug, or we have some great volunteers that also will field questions about what baptism is and what it would include and things like that. So um, if you are listening to this, you're not baptized, but you have some questions about it, then we have resources. You don't have to sit there and try to figure it out on your own. We want to come alongside you. As Pastor Doug said, or Pastor Harv said, we want to... we want to be there to help you nurture your walk. We can't do it for you, but we can come alongside you and help you grow your faith. Yeah, and if look, if I can keep these plants alive over two years now, uh, I, I can also say to you that you can, through the work of Christ, see your faith grow and flourish and watch water, seed, the Holy Spirit, the work of other believers in your life, grow that life of faith that you want to grow in. Peace of God to you. Thank you so much, Pastor Harv, and thank you guys for joining us on the podcast today, and we will see you on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church. Thank you.